Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. My name is Alex. And today, once again, we are back at Three Dudes Watching Cartoons. Today, we have my good friend Tommy Pizzullo here. Um, Tommy, why don't you give us just a little introduction about yourself? Hello, I am Tommy. Uh, Yeah, I I grew up like a born baby boy uh, watching cartoons with cereal, you know, the whole, the whole spill watching, uh, watching some Rugrats, <laughs> all that jazz. So a uh, big fan of cartoons. And other than that, I live in Los Angeles, just, you know, cruising around in the, the COVID world we're in right now, which means I'm not cruising around. I just stay in my room. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. 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 Perfect. Perfect. Well, today we are talking about a very exciting show. It was on Cartoon Network. I want to say six years ago. Does anyone have the stats on that? Yeah, aired 2014. I haven't even introduced it. 2014. But we are talking about today Over the Garden Wall. And this is a phenomenal show. This is like a hidden gem of a show, if you ask me, because I don't think many people know about it. Do you guys feel the same? Yeah, it's kind of a cult favorite. Uh, it is Cartoon Network's first miniseries that they did. Uh, they got an all-star voice cast. Um, most notably, Elijah Wood uh, voices one of the main characters. Like Mr. You said, Frodo? Mr. Frodo. He is the, the main Elijah. character. Word. Yeah. yeah, you got him. You got... Christopher Lloyd, you have, yeah, Tim Gunn, or not Tim Gunn, I always say Tim Gunn, I mean Tim, uh, <laughs> Tim Curry, but, uh, wait, yeah. wait, 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 Christopher Lloyd as in Doc Brown? As from... in Doc Brown. Do you know who he voices? No, I'm like baffled by the, I, I, wait, 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 let me guess, let me try to think of who he voices. Oh, oh, no, no, I got it, it's the Woodsman, he voices yep. the Woodsman, right? Uh-huh. Holy crap, I, okay. To start off on a good note. That's awesome. Yeah. John Cleese uh, also plays two uh, characters, kind of minor characters in the, in the middle episodes. Wait, but yeah. And Tim Curry, as in the guy who plays it? Does he play it? I've never in seen In the original? Movies. Perhaps. Tim Curry, as in, uh, as in uh, what's it? Thornberry. He, he was the voice of... Uh, he was Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> yeah, he was I believe so. Nigel Thornberry. And if it's the Tim Curry I'm thinking of, he also played it. We can fact check that. Yeah, let's. I'm gonna pull that up. I think Tim Curry did play it. He was like Rocky Horror Picture Show. He was. He was uh, Clue. He was the the Butler in Clue. If he's the yes, oh yeah, he played it in the original. Yeah, he's also Nigel Thornberry. And he's Nigel Thornberry. Melanie Linsky, who most people probably wouldn't recognize by name. Uh, I certainly didn't, but I definitely recognize her voice. I think she's played a recurring character on. What's that Charlie Sheen show? Uh, two and a half minutes. Oh, two and, and a half minutes. Her voice is like very, is... very familiar. You're right. That is what she's from. But she plays Beatrice. Um, so we're getting into the cast. Uh, essentially, this is a Cartoon Network show. It only aired one season, 10 episodes. They're each very short episodes, too. It's just it, it seems very odd that this has such a star studded cast for um for for being just such a like i don't know off the wall show over the garden wall <laughs> mm-hmm. um but so before we get into the show itself because i think a lot of people haven't seen it what uh, wh- how about you guys give us your best spoiler free pitch as to why someone should watch over the garden wall okay uh i guess i'll try first it, it's so hard to encapsulate it, it, 
uh, I don't know. It's just such a like magical little series. But uh, essentially, it's two brothers who are wandering uh, through these like mystical woods, traveling through like different fairy tale stories, um, and they have to make their way back home. Yeah, I mean that's essentially it, and it's what I like about the show. It's it's you want more. It's only one season. He the the creator didn't want to do any more. This was it, and. It's, I think an hour, I think we were saying it was like an hour and a half watch. It's basically just a movie and, uh, the, the Gothic fairy tale, uh, nature of it is something that always intrigued me. You don't see that a lot nowadays, especially in cartoons. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, you know, we'll get into it, but Greg, I feel bonded to Greg. I feel like Greg is <laughs> a little me a little bit. So I, I enjoy him as a character and I enjoy the dynamic between the brothers. And I think it's a show that you have to watch it all the way through. It's one of those shows that you can't mm-hmm. like in the beginning, you're going to, you're going to be like, this is a lot, but it's one of those shows. Once you watch the whole thing, you're just, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can breeze through it in like an hour and a half. They're like 10 minute episodes. So it's very easy. Um, just a little bit about the production side of it. Uh, the creator of the show, Patrick McHale, um, has a bit of a history at cartoon network. He, uh, co-created or co-developed um adventure time so watching oh. this there's a very similar like slice of life vibe and off the wall humor that you get um and then i think uh oh, i forget her name but one of the other uh girls who worked on this show also made a series that alex you and i watched called bee and puppy cat which no is kind of way indie uh indie cartoon and that's um, very random mm-hmm the other thing that he uh, that I see in the show a lot is like he also worked on Flapjack. Uh, if you were ah, and I can I, see the similarities. Yeah, exactly. And and he it's a fascinating because it's like that's exactly where my mind went to, and then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's like he was part of the Flapjack team. Yeah, and so I think you guys hit on a part that I love about it is it's very halloween theme gothic theme it's very like the animation style is not normally what you're seeing in a kid's cartoon which this show does have a lot of really goofy moments a lot of funny moments but like the backdrop and the story of it doesn't really fit that and i'm always a huge fan when something can be like outrageously goofy and kind of serious and dark at the same time and i think this show hits on that perfectly um I think we can probably just go by episode to episode casually hitting any highlights story-wise or comedy-wise. But um, I think like you said earlier, Tommy, it does all play into the same story. Talking about episode one, we're inevitably probably going to be talking about the ending as well. And so Mm -hmm. I... That's one of the show's strong suits, though, is the foreshadowing, the 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 hints the dialogue hints that on a second rewatch you're like oh so that's what Beatrice is kind of talking about here it, it's it's fun watching it that way because like I said it's not a long watch it's easy to watch more than once I watch it every single fall I live in Arizona and it's got such a fall vibe to me that I legit do a rewatch every single fall just to get myself in the mood yeah and th- and that's why we're covering it. it's like the perfect Halloween watch it, it is essentially set in a Halloween or like a Halloween time frame, at least yeah. one of the episodes. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a recurring watch for. Well, they the show up in episode one wearing Halloween costumes, but they don't address that. When you're watching it for the first time, you don't know they're in Halloween costumes, so you think they actually kind of belong in this mythical 
made up world because mm. Greg is wearing a, a, a teapot on his head upside down and Greg has like a cape and like a, a, a funky little gnome hat on. Mm-hmm. And so you slowly find out as the series goes on that Wirt and Greg are actually from the real world. And, you know, they're in this mythical unknown is what it's called. They're in the unknown. Uh-huh. So you touched on it. The colors are very like muted and earthy. It looks like you're flipping through an old fairy tale book. Um, and even the episode titles, like the first one's called The Old Grist Mill. Uh, like they all sound like they could be modern day, you know, Brothers Grimm stories. Um, it feels nostalgic. It feels familiar, but it's also just like completely yeah. new, which is fascinating. In the animation, it like almost looks like it's a painting almost. Like, like it, the way it, it, it's... Uh, designed it's like almost like looks like it has like an oily like like a oily paint to it mm-hmm. i love that you're so right tommy it just the whole like i said the animation is you guys hit on the colors the feel it really plays into this this whole world they're building they what they do is they they build this unknown and the unknown is very vast there's a lot of kooky characters in it some supernatural some that seem just like normal humans and mm-hmm. so it's a really fun because they don't explain it I think that's part of what I love about it is I love when a show doesn't need to explain everything to the audience. Yeah. I, and like for a kid's show, a lot of times they do like to explain everything because it's based for a younger audience, but this really leaves a lot up to imagination, which I think like you touched on brother Grimm stories or fairy tales, classic fairy tales. Those leave a lot up to the imagination. That's why we have a lot of different variations of them. Mm-hmm. And this has the exact same feel to it for like a goofy comedy because they do interject a lot of humor, but it's got such a mythic fairy tale vibe to it that it, you can't ignore it just from the look and the story itself. When they do, they, they use that to their advantage, right? Because it's like they know that we're not going to ask questions when they show up. We're not going to just assume they're wearing Halloween costumes. We assume they're part of this fantasy world. And they, they do that. It's one of those shows you can just keep rewatching. Cause you know, even the other day when I was watching, I texted Alex and, and, um, I was like, Oh, this, like, I just, I found something else even after I've watched it many, many years. And, and um, this show does such a good job of hiding. I mean, even that intro, uh, the intro is you could just dissect that for an hour because it's oh, yeah, the music. Each- we haven't even talked about the music. Yeah. The music also uh, just the uh, same thing. It adds to that feel. And it, it's not anything you hear in a kid's show. It's very I don't even know. Like, what would you call it? It's not classical music, but it's very old timey. It, it's like old timey music. It's really reminiscent. I feel like of early 20th century, like cartoons, like. Yes, get, yes. Like pre Looney Tune stuff, like not that chaotic energy. But like if, you know, Steamboat Willie. Uh, it, it reminds me of that vibe. So I think that's why I feel that nostalgia towards it. Uh, because, and I, the, even the animation, while it does look very modern, I think uh, there's a uh, one instance in particular where I think they use a, a technique called like rotoscoping, which is like something uh, they used to do in like the thirties and forties, which is oh. very cool. I was reading something where the creator did that himself because it costs so much to do that he animated himself. And um, okay. yeah. And he it really wanted, like yeah, yeah. And he really wanted that. He was trying to find a way to put that in there. Cause he likes that, that kind of look for, for, I can't remember exactly his reasoning, but he wanted that in there. Uh-huh. And uh, basically, he had to animate himself because it would cost the company. Too, it would cost him too much to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So why don't we jump into these episodes, though? We've touched on kind of the feel of it all. Um, it's it's something like I said, if you're looking for a fall type of show, this is very fast to watch. It's pretty funny and it's got a great story. This is definitely something you want to check out. Um, I would recommend this to like anyone, adult yeah. or, or child, honestly. Yeah, and I think that shows to its strengths. And the themes are, I mean, you know, we'll get into it, but I mean, essentially it's from my, you know, and you can interpret it how you will, but it's, it deals with life and death. Like it deals yeah. with some very intense things, but in a way that I think a child could understand it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, this first episode, I just think it's really great how they, I'm always big into how you set up your characters. What is like your first introduction to them? Um, because I think shows that are shorter are going to have a harder time giving you a feel of the characters, but these, uh, they don't fail here. The, we start off with Greg just listing off random names and Wirt's not even paying attention to him. And he's like, but the worst name for this frog is, and Wirt's like, well, hold on, we're lost. And boom, we got kind of a little bit of the two characters. Greg is carefree and goofy. Wirt is worrisome and, more of obviously the older brother type of, of figure. Mm-hmm. And there's the plot. They are lost. They have no idea where they are. And it's just them walking through this crazy forest. And I just love that introduction. Like I said, I'm big on introductions. And I think within, I think that's gotta be within the first 15 seconds of the show. And we have a, a decent feel for what the whole show is going to be about and who these people are. I think that's why you don't question things uh, with them because right, it feels like they're giving you it, right? Like it's, it feels like there's no other mystery. They're lost. You, they, they gave that to you in the first 15 seconds. You're mm-hmm. not questioning if they belong in this world because it's like they're not questioning it really. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're wandering through the woods and then they bump into Beatrice, who is a bluebird, uh, who becomes – she's essentially the third main character. Oh, yeah. Um, and she – she can talk. Offers to, she to can talk. Wait, well, hold on. She's a bluebird that can talk. And this yes. is their first introduction to the abnormal, if you will. But still very much fits the feel of the show. And so you don't question a talking bluebird. Well, do they, they do? They, they do. Question it. Yeah. Words like, hold on, you're a bluebird yeah. and you're talking. And so that was what also tells us this is not normal for their where they come from, at least. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't matter that they're lost. They're in some sort of supernatural incident. They don't, they don't dwell on it. No, yeah. they don't really dwell on it. Um, and then they bump into the, the woodsman voiced by Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown. Uh, Who's creepy. Is a little creepy. He carries a, a little. Uh, I don't know. He First feels- introduction, Tommy, creepy or not creepy? You know, like. I, I thought he was aggressive. He could like tone down his voice a little bit. You know, you're dealing with kids. Like maybe you could be a little more sensitive to these kids, but he right. was just well, trying to help. A little bit of spoilers. When's the last time you think he actually dealt with a child? Yeah. So he probably hasn't seen kids in a while, but he's creepy AF. He's chopping wood. He's got, it's very dark and he's really the only light source. He's got a lantern mm-hmm. and he's chopping up this tree. And I don't remember what he's saying, but he's like, he's got a, uh, um, a scruffly voice scruffly is not the right word a gruff voice and so it comes off as creepy you know for something that's been kind of goofy so far he's the first creepy side yeah he he just leaves a lot of like he speaks in like short omens basically (laughs) and i don't know if it if it's addressed yet but or i don't know if this is there's a song that when he's chopping wood there's a song that comes on and you think it's him singing but it's really the beast the whole like it's like oh, it's it's a beast singing this like charlotte love song like that's it's like a weird 
it's trippy. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it's throughout the whole show. You're so right. I did think it was the woodsman, but it's not, it's the beast. And the, so, um, the woodsman warns Greg and Wirt of the beast. And that's going to be a big plot point of the, of the show. And so I, I also love this. I love that they go, beware the beast, beware the beast. And then obviously this monstrous, ravenous, crazy dog comes and attacks them because mm-hmm. uh, Greg is leaving a candy trail because when you're lost, which is very, what, Hansel and Gretel? Like they leave a little gumdrop yeah. trail, not gumdrop, whatever the trail they leave is, breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. And so Greg's leaving a candy trail and this, this monstrous uh, like uh, wolf-like thing is chasing them and destroys the old uh, grist mill where the, where the uh, woodsman has taken them. Yeah. And even that, like the candy, right? It's like, you don't question why he has candy in his pants, but it's because they went trick or treating. And that's why he has candy in his pants. Yeah. I love that. You don't question it at all that why no, he's it's got from, candy. It's from doing the yard work. <laughs> yeah. With, with the rock fact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For those of you who didn't see, Tommy has the physical rock. And that's actually how Tommy got on the podcast. That was his audition. One day he held that up and said, it's a rock fact. And we fell in love and the rest is yeah but but that whole again it's like it's very clever and i I'll, I'll speed up some but i love all these small things but even in that scene like like Ward says early on we're gonna hit the wardsman right and this is oh, where yeah. I say it. it's so the funny show, yeah and the show is so good at, at doing small things like that whole time where Ward's talking like later on like right before they the the beast the, the fake beast shows up Ward's talking in the background you see greg practicing swinging things yes it's not talked about but he's like practicing to hit the woodsman (laughs) it's so funny it's so funny that we're going through all these ideas and he says one of my favorite lines he goes bad plan bad plan or bad idea one of the i don't remember but i love (laughs) when he says that and um that was his original idea he's like we take out the woodsman we hit him but then he switches through like several other plans and greg is not listening at that point you're right he's like (laughs) practicing and he's leaving his candy trail and so this fake beast attack and the woodsman who could probably handle this, this, this monstrous uh, wolf thing, the Greg, Greg knocks him out from the original plan where it's like, why would you do that? And he's like, you said to, and he's like, ah, oh, I did technically say that you're right. After saying the beast has beautiful eyes. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> oh, as soon as Greg, the first thing, when he sees the beast, he goes, you have beautiful eyes. No other response. That's his like fear response. Mm-hmm. But essentially, so the Beast and Orton Greg, they destroy this grist mill and they the 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 dog ends up like in the water wheel, which, you know, obviously in cartoon world is going to dislodge anything that's choked in him. And he spits out a, a black turtle, which is some foreshadowing with a piece of candy stuck to it, though, from the candy mm-hmm. trail. And it turns into just a normal, literally like a normal golden retriever, like the most plain looking dog (laughs) that I've ever seen. And Greg, of course, is like, he's my new best friend. And I think that's kind of like a little bit of a recurring theme is like that this world does seem very threatening at at first glance. But like usually by the end of each episode, they're much more pleasant or. um, but not what we thought than what the, the main characters would originally suspect. Yeah. I also like in the, so then I will, so like you were saying, Evan, like things don't seem as scary, but uh, they're like, Hey, we beat the beast. And we're kind of like, Hey, that was funny. Like this whole beast thing. But then of course the woodsman's like, that's not the beast. The beast is, uh, and you know, to be fair, the, the actual beast is way scarier than this monstrous uh, ravenous dog thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but of course the woodsman's like, that's not the beast and, and warns them. But also I, this is the woodsman like tells them to go North and just doesn't go with them. And <laughs> that's like some cartoon logic. I feel like <laughs> you don't send kids on their way just on their own. Yeah. So that kind but of the woodsman has a job. Sorry to, that's why he can't go. He's got yeah. shit to do. He's got shit to do. Um, but that sets up the beast as the uh, main antagonist of the. But, and we have all our main show. characters in the first episode. Like yep. I said, I love a good introduction. And this episode is a great 10, 11 minute introduction to this world and the story that's about to, to take place. Mm-hmm. Next one is Hard Times at the, at the Huskin Bee. This one feels the most like this could be a, a storybook that, like, yeah you read to first graders or something, but they, uh, I mean, I don't even remember exactly how they, but they stumble upon a village that there's a sign. It says Pottsville is, one mile this way. Mm-hmm. And Beatrice doesn't want them to go that way. She wants to take them to Adelaide. But so they're like, we're going to town cause we need to talk to people and find out where we are and how we get home. And so Pottsville, they show up and it looks like an old timey town. And no one questions it, so we don't question it either. But they walk around and they just can't find anyone. And it's one of these real random humor scenes, but Wirt opens a door to a house and is like, hello? And there's just a turkey with its head laid on the table and it just looks up at Wirt and Wirt just slowly closes the door. (laughs) And they never address that. They never address that. Like, so I think that's a joke, but uh, it's one of those weird off the wall jokes. Yeah, I, I like the visual humor of it. Like, they don't need to explain things sometimes, and it's just visual. But um, yeah, with I just wanted to backtrack a little bit, like Beatrice. I think this mm-hmm. is the epi- this is the episode where they like talk about they like introduce Adelaide and they introduce like because Beatrice like gets stuck in a bush and is like, I have these wishes. Like, you guys are now oh, I can do yeah. you a favor. And like something I when when doing research for this, I was looking. Beatrice is a name of one of Dante's. Um, guides in Dante's and in like that whole story. Right. And in, in the Dante's, in Dante's Inferno, cause everyone compares this to Dante's Inferno. Yeah. And you're telling me Beatrice is a character in Dante's Inferno also. Uh, yeah, I believe maybe that's wild. Myself, so just, to- just uh, so jumping a little, um, the story of over the garden wall is often compared to Dante's eight levels of hell or Inferno levels of, uh, shoot. Now I'm misremembering the title. Dante's Inferno. Is, Dante's Inferno. Thank you. Is the title. Um, I've never heard that comparison before. Maybe I've, you've never uh, heard that. You're no, not diving on the internet deep enough. Guess yeah. Not, yeah. Because essentially, this is all purg- like essentially the that's like, what people the yeah. theory is. This is all purgatory. You know, because what we find wow. out in episode nine, this is them just trying to escape. And like we can get into all of it, but that's like episode nine, episode ten, or episode eight, where like. Uh, I'll talk they show, Greg, yeah, the, yeah, they show how they get here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally well, I'm talking understand. About a, with Greg going between like heaven and hell, like that's like his, his oh. dream world is all. Yeah, that's him like making choices. And, wow. and we're really jumping around, but that's good. Yeah. That's real good. I didn't ever thought of that. Oh crap. Um, okay, but back to episode two. Beatrice is in a bush. She's stuck. Greg frees her, and she's like, "Okay, I owe you a favor." And Greg obviously mistakes that for a wish, which leads to also thinking this is just like such a mythical world they're accepting of, because you know Greg's a kid and is like, "Yay, give me a wish, talking bird." And um, <laughs> Greg is just so funny. The energy he brings while Wirt is so worried and concerned, 
Greg is just so lackadaisical and carefree mm-hmm. and, and goofy. Um, and he's confident though. That's the thing. Like what Wart lacks in his, Wart is very self, um, He's he's so worried all the time and he's so down on himself. And then you have Greg who never questions anything he does. Yeah. And such a uh and like there's there's a theory that like one of the things that's talked about is like Greg is so there's a I, and this I heard about back in the day is basically there was someone in LA who made a play of this at some point of over the garden wall. That's and, awesome. Uh they changed it though slightly and instead of having it be the brother's story was more of Wart's story. And Greg was like leaving like lessons for his older brother through like some of the things. And basically in that version, like Greg does pass away and, and work oh, goes wow. on without him. And so like the whole thing is basically Greg's giving him lessons. And I always liked when I heard about that, when I first got into all the other well, all those years ago, I heard about this play and um, I never saw it. And I would love to, cause it's, it sounds so cool, but it was an yeah. interesting take to have it be more of a, Instead of it being like this journey together, it was more of a passing along information kind of thing. Yeah. And so something we didn't touch on, but I love is that they're half brothers. It's just also such a like draw into the real world as well, because that's not like normal. I don't know, like fairy tale, like, oh, two half brothers. And you know what I mean? And as someone who only has half siblings, I just always I thought I really appreciated that. That was always funny to me. Um, But this episode is where we get our first like look at the really extremely odd is they show up to Pottsville. It's empty. And they find out everyone's like in the town barn. I don't even know what you would call it. And they're having their annual Mm -hmm. celebration for the harvest. And when they show up, everyone is wearing a pumpkin on their head. <laughs> yeah, it's very like uh, midsummery. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they show up to a random festival. It seems a little suspect. Little suspect, and they're a little concerned. Like they can tell something is off with everyone. Uh, and I think the line that really gets me is someone's like, "You're you're here early," and they're like, "What? What do you mean?" Yeah. And they're like, you're here pretty early. Don't, like, you know, I don't think it's you were supposed to be here yet. And it seems really random because everyone's still wearing pumpkins. You still think they're normal people at this time. But then after the twist of the episode, which I'm going to spoil right now, is when they remove their pumpkins, you find out that they're just skeletons mm-hmm. and that they're dead. And it's really and obviously, oh, my God, I didn't even talk about. Uh, is it Enoch, the giant Enoch. pumpkin in the middle? Yeah. Uh, Enoch is super creepy and he gives a a. I, oh, I was going to impersonate his voice, but I don't think I have the, I don't think I have the tone. Give or, it your best shot. Yeah. Right <laughs> and so listen here, children. <laughs> I don't know. That was bad. Um, well, and he's just a black cat. That's what you discover at the end. At the end. Yeah. And, and it, so it's a weird town, a Pottsville. Moment. Yeah. Small moments. So weird. But so all these, um, Pumpkin-headed skeletons have Wirt and Greg dig up more skeletons <laughs> that just pop out of the ground really frightening. Well, not frighteningly, but scares them. Uh-huh. Um, you get some classic humor when they're digging the holes because Beatrice is like, let's go, let's bail. And Wirt just doesn't want to. And that that's going to play a part, I think, literally in the next episode is how Wirt always does what he's told. Um, does the, the, does the skeleton twist happen before or after they dig up the skeletons? No, it's so that's the reveal is when okay. they're, they're digging the holes and Wart thinks they're digging graves for themselves. Okay. Yeah. And, um, then as they're digging the holes, skeletons pop out and then you, you come to realize that was what the townspeople wanted was them to 
dig these skeletons up so they could join the party, join the harvest. But that was why the skeletons were like, aren't you a little early? Because they're fully fleshed like people. Uh You don't go to Pottsville if you're alive. Well, I think they even, if I remember, I think they used the language of like, you're not ripe enough yet or something, which is <laughs> like, they're talking about pumpkins too. So you're not they're really questioning harvest, it because yeah. <laughs> so classic. So classic. Another but just instance such a f- of like, just this very, uh, threatening thing is pretty benign. It's just, it oh, came out wanna, very benign, you know, reanimate their friends, I guess, and hang out. Yeah. But Wirt and Greg are freaking out the whole time that these people are going to kill them for breaking yeah. the law. And it's, it's terrifying, especially in a show that's targeted for younger, a uh, younger audience. Like it's, it could be terrifying. Like I'm terrified when I watch it alone in the dark <laughs> in my, in my place. So, yeah. um, I just appreciate that for a show like this because that's what fall is all about. You want to get the spooky feels. And this is a really great job of balancing that humor and that spooky feels. Um, but let's keep rolling along here. Uh, the next one we roll up on a school, which this is where, you know, I like really relate to Greg because he's the first one to find the school and he's like school, not today. And he just runs away, <laughs> which like, if that's not the most me mentality I've ever had, <laughs> And he just like gives school the thumbs down later in the episode. Like he looks at everyone and he's like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they come across this uh, schoolhouse in the middle of the woods and they find a teacher who is a human, Miss Langtree. Uh, and she's just like teaching a band of like woodland creatures. <laughs> and she's like, they, uh, unlike Beatrice, they don't talk or, or speak you know, English or anything. No, they're like animals, but they are dressed in human clothes. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The school is funny because Miss Langtree is having problems with that. No good, dirty, rotten scoundrel, Jimmy Brown. No good. Jimmy Brown. (laughs) Yeah. He done did her wrong. She is heartbroken and she's just venting to her whole class about it. (laughs) And, um, Wirt comes and sits down because Beatrice is being a little snarky to him about always doing as he's told. And so he's, he's kind of rebelling in a weird way. (laughs) He's like going to school, which no one's ever heard of going to school as rebelling against someone like I'll show them I'm going to go to class today. Mm -hmm. And so the, the school is like her passion project, right? That her, her dad is funding. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he he thinks it's pointless. And so he's kind of the villain of the episode and he's, Boy, and the gorilla. And the <laughs> gorilla. <laughs> if this sounds like nonsense, uh, this episode is like nonsensical, but it's so entertaining. This um, is my, she, one of my favorite episodes. She also sing, like sings a bunch, which again takes <laughs> back to that. Like, and they they sound very much like of the like twenty cartoon cartoons. From, yes, yeah, like yes, thirties and forties, um, like Popeye, like mm-hmm. how um, like olive oil talked. Yep. Yes. For the apple that he gave to me, but I found a worm inside. B is for beloved that I called to him before he left my side. And C. I feel like Cartoon Network shows nowadays do like a great job with music, like Steven Universe, yeah. uh, Adventure oh. Time. But this one is just such a throwback. It, I don't know. It gives gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, Tommy, just cause I know you love it. Tell us about Greg's game. He plays in this episode. I can see it on your face. I know you love, I love it. Like, this is like everything about Greg in this episode, like the tails and molasses, which we'll get to is a, is a bop is the bop of the summer. <laughs> uh, but 
He plays uh, old cat. Old is it one one cat? Oh, no, no, sorry, it's two old cats. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually just looking at this. They actually in in the real world they mentioned some a kid mentions two old cats. So that's where he first learned it from. Was in the real world. Oh, but, that's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, he plays two old cats. But then there's one cat that's too old. It's too, too old. <laughs> it's so funny the way they do that. So we're, uh, Greg finds the first one. He's like, oh, here's one old cat. And then like a deer, because Wart, of course, or excuse me, Greg's also hanging out with woodland creatures that don't go to school. And uh, and he even says, like, you guys are too cool for school. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're playing two old cats. Uh, Greg finds the first one. He's like, here's one old cat. And they're like, oh, and here's the second one. And he goes, no wait a minute, I think this cat is too old. And it's, oh my God, it's just such dumb humor, but it literally makes me laugh out loud every time I hear it. And then they get chased by a gorilla, so they have to run into the school. Yes. And so that's what sets up the next scene where they're all eating this bland, boring potato meal. And um, Beatrice, the whole time, just to keep up with the plot, is trying to get them out of there and back to Adelaide's. She's very annoyed by this misadventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But obviously Greg and Wart are totally into it. And so um, when all the stray woodland creatures and Greg run into the school, they they run in during lunchtime. And of course the teacher's still playing music. I love that there's so much, I just love the appreciation for music. Like you said, Evan, they, they do a really good job with music. And I think almost every episode has, if not a dope soundtrack, like an original song. Oh, this is where we could get potatoes and molasses. Greg needs to spice up the bland, boring potato meal with molasses. Now, my question for you guys, have you ever had molasses? I've had molasses. Is it good? It's like a sugary set. Like they use it a lot in cookies. Like cookies is a thing, like molasses cookies. That's a thing. Um, I've never heard of someone just pouring it on something. It's usually like used inside of things, but just from the look of it, it kind of reminds me of like what honey would be. I don't know if it has a similar taste. I've never had molasses, but it's also a combination. I've never heard either potatoes and molasses, but he sings a whole goddamn song about it. And I hope uh, we may get, I don't know how like copyright works, but if we can play it, we will play a little <laughs> bit of it right now because as Tommy said, it's the bop of the summer. No, it's, it's the bop of the fall. Excuse it's me. It's the bop of the fall. Well, and he's like, he's like, he goes to the teacher and he goes, all right, play something like this. And he just goes on the piano. And he just starts hitting all the and keys. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I know what to do. Here, Miss Langtree, play something like this. Oh, like this? Um, good enough. <laughs> and she plays something and he's not happy. He's like, that's not what I want, but it won't work. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. She plays like a great melody and he goes, eh, close enough. <laughs> All the songs are really catchy. Is that the one that's like... Oh, potatoes and <laughs> It's the only thing left on your task list. They're short and stout to make everyone shout for potatoes and molasses. And if you and listen to the lyrics, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the lyrics are ridiculous, too. It's like... Because he has to rhyme something with molasses every time. Yeah. It's like glasses... Ask us like it's very stretchy rhymes, but it, you know what? And Greg is a kid, like the voice actor. He's like a child, but he's got a, he's got a lovely singing voice. So shout out to the voice actor of Greg, Colin Dean. Shout out to Colin Dean. 
Yeah. No, I listen to the music still. Like I'll I'll put it on the the intro is great. I, I'll, the music in general. Yeah, we is just didn't fun talk about the to. intro. The intro's awesome too. It's just a piano riff, and it gives it sets the tone beautifully, though. So the dad in this episode who funds the school, he like <laughs> thinks it's pointless, so he steals. Yeah, because it all is pointless. <laughs> They're teaching all. animals to read and write. Well, that's a cover, though. I mean, well, we get there. I, <laughs> so yeah, he thinks it's a waste of time. He comes back and he takes all the animals' instruments that they had been learning to play. And you think it's just because he's a jerk. See, they always do this. This kind of like it seems much more scarier than it ends up being type of deal. Mm-hmm. And the gorilla, the gorilla's quite scary. The dad's quite scary. And um, they get sent to bed. And I don't remember how we see it, but the dad like is sleeping in the woods and he uses the instruments to put his big puffy coat in a tent. And you find out the dad's actually poor and he's gone broke from all his bad investments. I mean, it run by your heartbroken daughter. Yeah. Uh I guess it does work out. (laughs) Greg ends up stealing the instruments back and then they put on a benefit concert. Yeah. Cause Greg, Greg was going to give up and then, they, uh-huh. That's where they get one of Greg's lessons, which is never give up. And he goes off and he doesn't know have a plan. And he goes into the woods and finds the man and you discover all this. And then he just looks at him and they're like, he's like, let's steal his stuff. And he's like, oh, okay, Greg. <laughs> and they yeah. put on a concert. <laughs> it's great. And they make a lot of money from the concert. And then you which find out the school, which funds the school. And then the gorilla comes to mess it up. Work trips over the gorilla. And we find out it's actually Miss Langtree's no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel, Jimmy Brown. And he was stuck in the gorilla costume the whole time. The whole time. And that's why he hasn't been calling her. He just wanted someone <laughs> to take his costume off. It's I can't probably, get over it's it. It's probably the most outlandish episode of. of I know, but it's early on. It sets yeah. the tone for everything that's going to come because we accept a lot of the outlandish in the background as the story's uh-huh. going on to move forward. And you forward. need this now. You need this now because in the, like, the last half is pretty sad times like yeah and again the last half gets heavy and this so this is a nice goofy episode that really helps uh set the tone here uh but let's keep moving along beatrice gets them back on track because they're going to go to adelaide of the pastures house because beatrice is telling them adelaide can get them home which anyone who calls himself adelaide of the pasture i'm instantly not trusting that but that's a that's (laughs) a different story um let's see this next episode is called songs of the dark lantern and so this is going to get, make me think we are going to see the beast. Oh, no, no. So, yeah. Oh, this is where we go to the tavern. Okay, yeah. so we show up at the tavern, and this is another good just story-building technique, I feel like. So they get there, and everyone, um, I don't even know, how would you say it is designated as someone? And they're very, like, proud of, of their... Um, their label like their professions their professions yeah, yeah yeah that's a better way to put it she's like well i'm the i'm the barkeep uh this is the tailor the highway man this is the sheriff and then the highway man interrupts him it's so funny that he interrupts him and they don't address it who are you i'm hungry i i, I don't know i don't really like labels i'm just sort of like myself you know Maybe he's simple. No, I, I'm just, I'm just lost. See, we're, we're trying to get to. I'm the highwayman. Okay, good to know. Well, so you see, I'm the highwayman. I make ends meet, just like any man. I work with my hands. If you cross my path, 
he, where it's like, oh, okay, well, I think he's like, oh, I'm the highway man. <laughs> Wart looks at him and he's like, okay, well, so anyways, I think. I'm making oh, meat yeah. with my hands. Yeah, and then the highway man breaks into a creepy song. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and this is the thing about this, the tavern. I, I, so my belief is they're wooden figurines or they're based on wooden figurines. And that's why they have like one identity, right? It's like one, a fl- they're uh, like toys. Personality. Yeah. And then the other thought is watch this and watch how much food Greg eats in this episode. (laughs) So many plates of food. (laughs) I did see him grabbing plates. I saw him licking plates. Also be uh, another weird side character that I love. So Beatrice is outside with, um, Next to the, the horse, because she's not allowed in the tavern. Fred no the animals horse. in the tavern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, Fred's the, Fred the horse will come up later. But so they're in the tavern. The highwayman gives a uh, a creepy song, which uh, you should check it out if you, if you haven't listened to it in a while. Um, <laughs> Greg's eating a lot of food, and they come to find out Greg and Wirt, they're the pilgrims. They're the adventurers. They're on a journey, and their journey is to get home. And that's just like, I love when stories get a little meta like that, because mm-hmm. that's, that's all we've really had is they're just looking for their way home. And that is kind of their, their, their one D personality, if you will, that's how they yeah. break down. Now, Tommy, you mentioned the wooden figures. I know we see those at the end of the series. Do we see those at any other point? We see them in the beginning. I think too. Yeah, I think like in the like, beginning, you, they, you see, they see them as well. You okay. see them and then they get Wart and Greg get added to it at the end. Like they get their own, the, their, their own, own little figurines. wooden figurines. Oh, I love that. See, and um, it's, these are just random little snippets you pick up on. Do we know who makes the wooden toys or is that there just is a toy on? maker in the tavern who's like okay. whittling something. So I don't know if he makes them or, or gotcha. what, but uh, I just, well, yeah. I think part of it is like, this is a fairy tale. This is a story. So mm-hmm. down the road, when people are telling these stories again, they are going to have little wooden figurines of all the people in their story, the tailor, the baker. And, but most importantly, they're going to have the adventurer, the pilgrim, the one who's taking the journey. So they get added to it because their story becomes pretty prominent. Uh-huh. What I love about this episode is that <laughs> uh, work goes in there to get directions and like all the characters in the, the tavern just start giving him like random unsolicited advice that has nothing to do <laughs> with the journey. Heart. Yeah. <laughs> and so in a way he's getting directions. It's just like all useless oh, information. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. It's not, it's not the directions he was looking for, but yeah. you know, and Greg does need to follow his heart more. Oh shit. Greg's mm-hmm. whole thing is he's very, War- um, yeah. he's worries a lot. He's very self doubting. He doubts himself. Um, a Tommy ton. was correcting you. You keep saying Greg. It's Wart. Who's the God? Who's the I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to do a casual. <laughs> I'll call him up. That's okay. So just to correct myself, Wart is always doubting himself, and Greg is never doubting himself ever in anything he does. That's why he's eating several plates of food, and Wart is just worrying about the directions. Also, I, now that we're talking about the names, Wirt is not a name. W I R T, but Greg I, is also like the most plain name. <laughs> Wirt is like I think like a home brewing word. It's like <laughs> the home brewing process, which is always felt weird to me. But it's yeah, it's such totally. a strange name. And my thought was, what the good thing is with all the singing, they do like give us way more background on the beast and like the whole idea of the beast, like taking children and like turning children into elder tree or uh, into aider trees. Um, They talk about that. Plus, we haven't mentioned the frog enough. 
I need more frog talk because I love that frog. Oh George Washington. We, uh, yeah, he's so. Greg's been naming the frog. He's just had a frog with him the whole time who doesn't talk like the other animals. Well, he doesn't talk. He sings. (laughs) You're so right. Oh my God. Um, But so the frog is great. And the frog's name keep changing. Uh, In the beginning, it's George Washington though. At what point does he get named Jason Funderburg? Towards the end. But I think around actually this middle point, he changes his name to Wirt. And he's like, I'll call you Wirt Jr. He's like, that's confusing. Like, (laughs) Greg's just so carefree and funny. Like, everything Greg says makes you giggle a little. And it makes sense in his head. Like, I think actually he gets called George Washington when they're on the boat. And he's like, George Washington. He's like, we need to get the president clothes. And he (laughs) creates all these storylines in his head. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Okay. So, yeah, the the people in the tavern, in the bar, wherever they're at, uh, do tell them more about the beast which is good. Um, and they warn them of the beast again. And they, um, what's great about this is, ah, I love this. It's, it's a theme throughout the whole story as we keep doing it. The way they talk about the beast, they're like, he has um, an ax and a lantern. And they're like, no, 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 that's not the beast. We met that person. That's the woodsman. They're like, no, 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 you have it wrong. That's the beast. And what it is, is it's because whenever the woodsman's out chopping wood with the lantern, the beast is always watching. So they probably do just think he is the beast because they hear him. They don't know any better. And so the way they describe him, and so they now think the woodsman is the beast, even though that is not the case, as we will come to find out. Yeah. And they warn uh, Wirt and Greg that the beast turns people into these Edelwood, Edelwood trees. Yeah. Uh, and then to keep the, the lantern light the woodsman going. has to chop those down to keep the lantern burning. And we find out it's because the beast is telling the woodsman that his daughter's soul uh, is in that lantern. And if it dies, then his daughter's soul yeah. dies. Another thing though, where, so now they make the woodsman look real scary. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of creepy before, but it, we've come to find out he's very harmless. That's mm-hmm. very much like Evan. I'm so glad you brought that up. Almost in every single episode, we get an instance of something seeming a lot more scary than it is. And then upon mm-hmm. closer inspection, Oh no, we either had it wrong or that's not at all what's going on here. Yeah, because we think he attacked Beatrice coming up, but it's like it was really she ran into a tree. But yep. yeah, I think the thing about the woodsman that's interesting is like the, is like he doesn't know that the trees are children, or at least he's ignorant. It's like yeah. I think they talk about it at one point. It's like you, how did you not know what you were doing? And it's because he's just it's he was living in his ignorance because yeah. he didn't want to know. He didn't want to know. Cause that's way tougher to, and so the beast, Oh, really mind fucks, excuse my French, the woodsman into doing all his dirty work, which is just so crazy. But so we get another uh, hint at the beast, but now the kids think it's the woodsman. And so they're scared of the woodsman. They think he attacked Beatrice. So they escape from the woodsman by knocking over the lantern. And this is the first time we see the woodsman really freak out over the care of this lantern and like mm-hmm. it's well being. And that's when we learn that it's because he thinks he thinks his daughter's in there. His, his daughter's, daughter's soul. soul um, let's get to this next episode. Cause this episode is great. This is where they ride off on Frank, the horse um, Fred. with, excuse me, Fred, the horse, um, Who, uh, Fred, the horse is voiced by an actor. I just looked this up named Fred Stoller. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, it's, it's a like, recognizable voice though. Yeah, What's he in? Was, uh, he was, he's best known for portraying Gerard on Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's that's... also Fred the Squirrel in The Penguins of Madagascar. Not that Classic. I've seen that movie. Um, but yeah. 
Um, the horse is hilarious though, uh, as we'll come to find out. But so I love, also, I love these episodes too, because they do feel very self-contained. They're very individual mm-hmm. stories, very unique stories. Um, yeah. but they lead to an overall bigger plot. Um, this one, we just show up mid them dinner with this rich, wealthy, eccentric dude named Quincy Indicott, who, um, <laughs> who is a tea seller. He sells tea uh-huh. and he's just so wealthy. His house is enormous and he's a little crazy, like I said, but so I love this too. We're here at his house to get money to ride um, the ferry. And so they're like, how much money do we need to get from this guy? And they're going to like, it's like hinted at that. They're going to extort it from him at first. And they're like, Oh, we just, uh, well, so, but then Beatrice is like, I love this part. So works like we got to, how much money do we have to ask him for? And Beatrice is like, I think we should steal it. And he's like, what? No, we can't steal it. And Greg's in favor to steal it. And this is the horse. I love this line so much. I don't, I wish I knew a word for word. I'm going to probably butcher it, but they're like, Fred's a Fred's his own horse. He can do whatever he wants. And he's like, I want to steal just so like innocent and casual. It's one of the laugh out loud lines of the whole show. <laughs> they go there like claiming to be his nephews. So they can like, <laughs> right. con him out of the money. Do you know why they would need to, like, they need only two cents, right? It's, it's hilarious, too. They only need two cents. They need two pennies, not a lot of money. It's, it's like, it's, yeah. And it's like, essentially, it's the whole idea of like, you pay, you pay the, the Grim Reaper to, or like, whatever, not Grim Reaper, but like, you know, the River of Style, like, you ride in like Greek oh, mythology. Yeah. yeah. You ride the it and you give sticks. it. Yeah. Yeah. River sticks. Um, wow. Oh, I that's crazy. That and you need together. your two cents. I just always thought it was like two cents, like a play on, uh, like, let me put in my two cents here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Quincy Endicott, the the wealthy man that they're conning, is voiced by John Cleese of Monty Python and other fame. That makes sense. Now that I, now that I know fame that, I can hear it. Yeah. So they're in this giant mansion, uh, which he claims is haunted, and he sees, like, the ghost of a woman wandering around. Uh, I guess I'll just get to the twist, but basically you come to find out that like his mansion is so big that it's been built attached to another connected to another um, mansion mansion of this other tea seller lady who lives on the other side. And they've just been sharing this like tea garden space. And And the the house is so huge. They've never run into each other or each other's sides, which is just, I think a a great comment on wealth and like exuberant wealth. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, um, that's the that's like the a plot but so the b plot while they're looking for the two cents we get the important bit of information that beatrice reveals to work that she was in fact a human at one point and that her and her whole family were cursed to become bluebirds and that adelaide is the only one that's going to be able to change her back into a human and it's kind mm-hmm. of a sad admission because beatrice has always been real snarky very like Come on, let's let's get out of here. Let's go keeping the plot going, if you will. Let's get to Adelaide's. Mm. And she's really sad to reveal this to Wirt. And then she's like, okay, your turn, Wirt. What's the secret that you have? And he goes, okay, there's this girl at school. And Beatrice <laughs> is like, yeah. And he's like, and I like her. And she's like, and? And he's like, and that's it. And it's funny because at that age, that like was that's like life secret. and death. Yeah, yeah, that's like life and death. And it's a, it's a good like bring back into the real world while they're in oh. this unknown. 
um, Wirt and Greg are not like they had real life problems. Like these half brothers had real life problems and Wirt's was, he liked a girl that he thought didn't like him back. And Beatrice is like, that is such not a problem Wirt. Like, I'm a blue. I've been turned into a bluebird. Like, <laughs> well, and he's like, he's like, she's like, that's not that weird. And he's like, uh, I also play the bassoon and I also read poetry at night. And she's like, well, that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> she does wrote so the poetry him. things a little weird. Yeah, yeah. it's a great. <laughs> It's a great episode for those two. Like it's a great bonding episode for for Beatrice and Wart. Like it's you see their connection, and it also starts the whole uh, Wart's romance. Which like there's there's three people I think potentially he could could have ended up with. I have my pick who have I liked. Ooh, but, yeah, but yeah. Wart does have a couple romance interests. We'll just go through them all now. No, 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 because no, it's coming up. Uh, I yeah. think in the next one actually. We'll we'll cover them after we meet them all. Um, so yeah, Wirt's got the girl that he likes back home though. And he thinks that's a really big deal. And <laughs> Beatrice informs him it's not. Um, but essentially, uh, what do they do? I think they do. Oh, so after they reunite Quincy and this other tea lady, they kind of explain to them, they need two cents. And so they get the two cents and then Greg throws it in the pond because the whole time he's like, gotta grow what was his rationale again for throwing it into the into the the wishing because quincy quincy says that he he's like you have a lot of sense and then he gets angry he goes off and he throws in he's like they're like why'd you do that and he's like mr endicott said that i have sense but i got no sense at all so he threw the sense <laughs> it's away it's so funny it's just a classic <laughs> greg greg ism um <clears throat> it, it's not a big plot though because the next episode they do get onto the ferry and this is another great goddamn music episode this is called mm. lullaby in frogland um and this is i think this is where i was talking about with pottsville this is an episode where you really just accept the absurd so we get onto this ferry and it's all frogs dressed in super fancy old-timey clothes and it's like what <laughs> it's yeah. it's pretty funny and so um we get onto the ferry and it's they're the only humans and Greg's frog, George Washington doesn't have any clothes. And that was where we get the great line from Greg where he says, uh, get the president some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and the frog has great like reactions. If you watch the frog sometimes, like he's like with this, I think he covers himself up. Like he's so he does. <laughs> he's ashamed. <laughs> And they're like, he's cold. His feet are cold. This is the first time we hear the uh, To Adelaide song, which I feel like yeah. has been stuck in my head ever since 2014. Yes. To Adelaide's. To Adelaide's. Adelaide's. Mm-hmm. We're on our way to Adelaide. Yep. Yep. And then uh, they even get Wirt to sing the song, which is the big deal because Wirt's not big on happiness mm-hmm. or joy. He likes sulking. Well, um, when you start to see Beatrice having regrets we don't know why but she doesn't want to go to adelaide's as much anymore no she's not as gung-ho about going to adelaide's at all anymore but they are they're very excited they're like we need to get the f home what is going on and we see Wart once again like the thing about this is like you see Wart to start to have confidence right like he they the whole the whole plot essentially with the fairy is that they are on their they they snuck on so they have to avoid the the frog police the whole time 
And then there's like the funny scene where they, they I felt kind of bad, but they, they hit a lady and she's knocked over her tadpoles and Greg goes, my, your babies. Oh my God. That is actually a pretty like morbid. Like if those were real babies, no way yeah. they get away with that. Cause but, then they all but, step on them and slip on them. But Wart saves a day because they're stuck, you know, pretending to be part of the band and Wart plays the, the bassoon. Even, oh no, you think he plays the clarinet and he had to play the bassoon here. And yeah. He saves the day. And He's it's like, like, well, they're not exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Such a nerd thing to say. It's so great. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is a great episode. But yeah, I do think this is where we first see Adelaide um, because they go to sleep. at the, Yes, at the very end of the episode, they go to sleep and Beatrice flies off to Adelaide before introducing them to Greg mm-hmm. and Wart. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Because they meet them in this episode, too. Now that I'm reading the whole recap, yeah. it all yeah. kind of runs together to me. But so we get to Adelaide's and... We come to find out, well, so we knew that Adelaide is the only one who could turn her back into a human, but we kind of find out that Adelaide's the one that turned her into a bluebird. In the first place. In the first place. And Adelaide's so fascinating because the whole place, her whole house has yarn everywhere. And it looks like a spider. Yeah, it looks like a spider web. And if you look at her, she has a little black widow mark on her her sweater or whatever. Oh, on the back that's of her cool. Sweater. I didn't wow. catch that. It is like yeah. a spider web, though. And she literally once. So uh, Beatrice flies off first and work kind of sees her and is like, oh, what the hell? And so him and Greg start following uh, this. So they get there after Beatrice. Uh, but we find out Beatrice was going to bring work and Greg to the house uh, for Adelaide to be to be slaves. I'm pretty sure like she just needs children to uh, I don't even know. It's kind of it's it's it gets dark because we think Adelaide's going to help them. Yeah, Yeah, probably because she's an old lady to do her manual labor. Uh, But it gets kind of dark because like uh, we thought Adelaide was going to (laughs) help. So she had made a like a deal with um, Adelaide prior to meeting Wirt and Greg that uh, she would bring her child slaves and uh, in exchange she would uh, turn her back and her family back into human beings which I love that they um, even though it's kind of, like, kind of sinister and, and she betrays Wirt and Greg there's a little bit of like a noble intention like she's doing what she needs to do to save her family Yeah, so, similar thing with the woodsman like he's only serving the beast because he wants to keep his daughter's soul alive. So. And she wasn't going to go through with it, though. Like, she flew there mm-hmm. early because she was going to give herself up. She was like, I'll be your, turn me back. I'll be your servant. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they can go free. Yeah. And the but, scissors apparently are going to snip her wings. That will turn her back into human. Sorry to segue back to the scissors, but that's yeah. where it comes into play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never trusted that. I was like, listen, I don't, if this lady, is like, hey, just snip your wings off. Like, I, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trusting that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Wirt and Greg had followed Beatrice to Adelaide's, unbeknownst to her, and, and they hear this they end betrayal. Up her, yeah, they and so they barge in, and of course, uh, this is a weird thing. But Adelaide is like, close the door, close the door. She doesn't like the outside air at all. But so, um. As soon as they step in, like Tommy said, they get caught in um, her spider web of yarn. And it looks like they may become child slaves. (laughs) Uh, But Beatrice 
jumps in to save the day jumps in and opens the window and if, uh, remember like the door for some reason she does she can't handle the fresh air and it turns very um wizard of ozzy she's like i'm melting mm-hmm. and um she literally disapparates i think that's the best word Evaporate. Laser evaporates yeah <laughs> i said disapparate <laughs> that's a harry potter term <laughs> <laughs> The Wizard of Oz thing is cool too because it's like when you said like Adelaide of the past, right? I instantly think of like like uh, Glinda the the Good Witch of the the, yeah. the you know. It's a good comparison. Kind of- mm-hmm. These witches and 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 princesses that are evil and good and yeah, Adelaide is very seems very good, but then quickly find out she has dark intentions. But one of another thing like looks super scary turns out to be pretty benign. Like we handled that one. Ooh, but so. Um, Greg and Wirt are still betrayed and they do leave Beatrice at this point. They, uh-huh. they separate from her. And this gets into our next episode, the ringing of the bell. So Greg and Wirt on their own encounter. Um, well, first they, they run into the woodsman actually before anything in this episode. This is probably the spookiest episode too. This is probably the scariest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just right out of the episode after leaving Beatrice, they run into the woodsman who warns them to stay clear of the beast but at this point they think the woodsman is the beast so they think he's the woodsman's like messing with them like Mm. ah get out of here you beast so they run away again and they get away and they go they find a lone cottage um off in the woods there's there's several of these like woodsy homes that are just like out in the middle of nowhere near nothing else uh but they pop up on this one and they uh, bust inside like a young girl who's like kind of sick. What is her name? Oh, it's Lorna. Lorna. And Lorna um, is like, oh, you you can't be here when Auntie Whispers shows up. <laughs> Auntie Whispers. <laughs> what a good fucking fairy tale name. Super fairy tale. Auntie yeah. Whispers. What a great fairy tale name. And so this Lorna girl who uh, continually is... <laughs> giving these wimpy coughs, wimpy coughs drive me nuts. And so she gives off several of them. And so um, she's like, you, you can't be here when Auntie Whispers shows up. So she hides them in. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm skipping over a very funny line is they show up first. And then Lorna comes in and is like, what are you doing here? And Greg's like, we're here to burgle you. <laughs> and there's like this thing of turtles in the corner. And so where it's like, no, we're not. Greg's like, yeah, we are. We're here to burgle your turts. <laughs> burgle your turts. Oh, it's so goofy. So funny. But yeah, I don't know why, but this is like a plot point. There's like a ton of black turtles which i feel like there's some through line because they show up in the first episode first episode in this episode are they in you know i'm not sure i feel like they symbolize something i'm looking up real quick to see if there's like a- i'd be curious what they symbolize because there's a but so they hide lorna likes these two because lorna doesn't get out much but mm-hmm. so she decides to hide them in the black turtles as Auntie Whispers shows up, and Auntie Whispers is terrifying looking. I, I'm pretty sure Auntie Whispers is a woman because of the term Auntie, but I'm pretty sure it's voiced by a man. It's Tim Curry. Oh my God, that's Tim Curry. Also, Adelaide is voiced by John Cleese. That's, that's what? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, both of these. Wow. Okay. But so Tim Curry does a weirdly good job with Auntie Whispers. It adds to the. I'm, I'm scared of Auntie Whispers. You know what I mean? And so Auntie Whispers has this bell that actually controls Lorna. And so she's like, 
I don't even remember how we first see it get used, but she's like, don't lie to auntie. Like the ringing of the bell commands you. And Lorna's like, Oh, check the, the turtles or something. And so she shows up, gets real close to Greg and Wart hiding under these turtles and then ends up just like eating one of the turtles. Like, yeah. cause she's like, Oh, they're, ah, oh, they taste delicious. She doesn't eat the shell, which is kind of funny. It reminds me of like a nut, like a pistachio. So in my research, what I found was it was an unintentional mystery, but it had something, it has something to do with the Edelwood trees where it's like, they're like bad turtles. They're bad boy turtles. And they're, they're part of like the, the evilness of it. And yeah, uh, I can see called it, it. The creator said something, described it as an imperfection in the quilt, both metaphorically and literally. Ooh. It's like an unexplained mystery. And yeah. You know what? But that's part of what I love about this show is there are just, they leave a lot up to interpretation. Like there's a lot of very clear symbolism, but there's also some very obscure things like the turtles. We've noticed a few times they, play a part in this story. We recognize them as something important, even though they really are just like kind of a minor detail that, and we, mm-hmm. but I love those sorts of mysteries. It's things I love in like real TV, real movies. And so the fact that this show touches on so many elements like that, I'm, I'm just so into it. So Lorna's oh, so as, as Auntie whispers leaves, she's like, finish all your chores. The ringing of the bell commands you. <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> so that she's got to finish all her chores. So Wart is like, what if I helped you finish your chores? And Wart just being, you know, a romantic teenage boy starts to, there's some chemistry going on between these two. Mm-hmm. You can see it. Cause Lorna, like I said, Lorna has not gotten out. I don't think she's ever seen another person. I'm just gonna. I don't think she's ever seen another person. She's been in uh, the custody of Auntie Whispers. Yeah, constantly doing chores. And Wart even comments like, well, what do you do when those chores are done? She's like, more chores. And that's actually a plot point. Like, she needs to be kept doing chores. And so, but uh, Greg decides, excuse me, Greg and Wart decide we're going to get you out of here. Greg goes to get the bell. Well, no, Greg accidentally goes upstairs because... The frog George oh, Washington sneaks up. George Washington escapes upstairs. <laughs> George Washington, such an important character in the plot, sneaks upstairs. Um, and then, as they're finishing, about to escape, Auntie Whispers wakes up and is like, "Lorna, get back here!" and is looking for the bell and cannot find the bell. So they do escape. They mm-hmm. are and actually they just get behind a locked door and Auntie Whispers is trying to break it down. And this is where the twist. I love these sorts of twists because so Auntie Whispers looked like the big, bad, dangerous one in this situation. Locked away Lorna, always kept her under some sort of spell doing these chores. It's a very fairy tale story, like evil evil stepmother. Yeah, and Wart even comments, she's like, She's not your real aunt. Like it's like <laughs> a very bring back into realism. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> and they do the romance thing with where like they sing a love song. So it's like, it feels like they're like, they're like uh, lovers that they can't, you know, escape this, this, uh, this ant. And super fairy tale, yeah. super fairy tale story. And, but then the, as they're behind the locked door in like the dark and auntie whispers is like, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it causes Greg and work to question what, uh, she said, and it's like, why would, what did she mean that we're in, like, we're in danger? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, boys, you're in grave danger. 
Well, yeah, I think something we forgot to mention is like throughout the episode, they, uh, there's mention of like cleaning up the bones of like <laughs> everyone else who came before. So we think Auntie Whispers is this monster that devours children, uh, and Lorna is just the you know one who's trapped there and has to clean it up. And while they're locked behind there, uh, we find out that Lorna is possessed by a spirit that eats children, and she she starts turning. Into um, a mother. Yeah. A weird. Uh, that scares me. I don't even know what to call this yeah. sort of spirit. It was freaky. Spooky ghost. Yeah, spooky yeah. ghost. <laughs> and so Wirt and Greg bust out the window. Um, and I guess the frog had eaten the bell. And <laughs> Wirt uses it to like compel the spirit to leave. He like exercise, <laughs> exercises the spirit from. Uh, Says leave Lorna alone. The ringing of the Lorna. bell commands you. Mm-hmm. It shakes the frog. <laughs> Now, Tommy, if I had to guess, is Lorna your front runner for who? Uh, were love interest. Number one love interest. I do. No, see, Lorna. I actually I think, think it's Beatrice. I'm a big. Beatrice. I think he he's shipping Beatrice and Wart. Yeah. Uh, okay. See, Lorna was a good one for me though because Lorna and him they show a lot of they sing a love song like you said. It's real cute. They get Elijah Wood to sing a nice song, um, but. Lorna's a good one because then he has to, they leave. And as they're leaving, I think this is so funny. I don't know why, but Auntie Whispers is like, oh, and if you see my sister Adelaide, like, stay away from her. <laughs> I forgot. Like you could have told really us that was that two episodes yeah. ago. <laughs> oh, it cracked me up for some reason because it's like, it's such a minor detail. Oh, they're sisters. Of course they're sisters. They're both creepy witch-like things in this random unknown forest. All right. Yeah. On to this next episode, though. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a really good episode. Oh, you know what? So there is another um, beast sighting at the end of that episode, which is going to lead us into this episode. Um, Wirt, at the end, you know what? It's actually at the end of episode seven where Wirt is like really... Now they don't have Beatrice. Uh, they don't have Lorna because... And I think it's a little bit of heartbreak. Wirt starts getting like very like... I don't think we're going to get out of here. And I think it's starting to snow uh-huh. at this point too. And I that's love like, that. Like now you have the weather. I love and- that detail. Cause that's such a fall thing. How many times as a kid where you're like, Oh crap, it's snowing on Halloween. Like, Oh no, but you went fucking trick or treating anyways. Well, and the weather <laughs> makes everything worse, right? Like if you're on a walk, you had rain. Uh, instantly you're like he does not fun yeah. so it's like i can i would i, I was worried a little bit here i'd lose a little bit of hope now it's now my jeans are wet from the snow yeah and you're you're <laughs> right this is where the snow comes and this is where things start getting really dark too so the next episode is called babes in the woods uh, babes in the wood and it starts very um like on a down note where these other episodes don't really start on this same note i feel like they're like sailing down uh, i think greg is using like a guitar to paddle down this river i don't know why that detail always made me laugh the journey is starting to like you can tell it's yeah and i'm pretty sure words the title up. though oh go ahead babes in the it's not babes in the woods right it's baby babes in the wood which is like the trees like oh you know i don't know maybe no, I no, it's like an edelwood uh, no that no, makes I sense that yeah makes i like sense, that a lot yeah. actually um, okay, so l- let's see. This is the one. So Greg, uh, oh my God, this is where they end up. So this is really the start of the end here. Oh, we're on episode eight. This is really, Wirt is like very much at his lowest point, I'd say. He's like, I, Greg's like, what's the plan, Wirt? There's lots of mention of a plan throughout the series. And Wirt's like, leave the planning to me, Greg. Leave the planning to me. You don't make good plans. So Greg's like, what's the plan? And Wirt's like, I don't know. I don't really care. 
He's like, I'm going to actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to sleep here. He like under a tree in, in the snow, just is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to sleep work. I, I, I'm really done with this. Which is exactly what the beast wants. Cause the, I think they mentioned earlier is like the beast can get the children if they lose hope yeah. or get sick. Yeah. Those are the yeah. two and ways. That you they know what? Can. As they're, I just thought of this as they're like sailing down in the canoe with the guitar, you can hear the beast song at this point. I guess we don't really know. Well, you know what? We probably do know it's the beast and you're just like, damn, the beast is just out there kind of lurking like, Oh, this is bad. And Wirt has yeah. really given up hope, but young Gregory and Mr. George Washington have not. This one's a really heartfelt episode too. So they find shelter like under a tree and, uh, Greg goes to Cloud City. Cloud, it's called Cloud City. And this is, you know, <laughs> like, on first yeah. watch, this, this, this is so the one bizarre. episode that yeah. seems a little out of place. The animation style mm-hmm. gets even more old timey, I'd say, with like dudes bouncing up and down like uh, we are the Cloud City reception committee. I love the Cloud City. <laughs> and Dale, the dog, I, I've done research because I loved the sad dog that she's it's like that's crying. Yeah, so they like when we get into it, it's like the committees. There's like three committees, and then they're like, "Is there any more?" And it's like they just panned to this dog with a rain cloud. <laughs> just like kidding. And Greg goes, "Okay, that, I'm I'm good. I don't need any more committees." Uh, it's, it's a super out of place sequence. But so, Tommy, this is what you were hinting at earlier, where you said, yeah. "This is where you think Greg starts to go to heaven." Cloud City, I, I mean, could represent. Uh, a heaven like and it's very dream i don't know it's very it's like a happy place except for the old north wind yeah. well and that's the thing right it's like uh i like dissecting this it's good words giving up he's like you're the leader now so greg takes that to heart he's like i'm the leader and so he's trying to come up with a plan they have this dream thing and yeah they, he goes to cloud city and if you think about it as you know in the next episode we'll reveal that they're in danger like this is not like they were in the they they something bad happened to them in the real world so if you think of it as this is all purgatory this is the point where now a decision is being made and i think war is getting sucked into the the hell like beast world and greg is is going up to heaven and um the, the symbolism behind that that's that's how i interpret it and like obviously there's different interpretations for everything but it's like and and greg you know greg makes the ultimate choice at the end. yeah or to save his brother. And you know what he so he eventually after through all the reception committees makes his way to the queen of Cloud City. After I also think they the all, North Wind. Yeah, the old North yeah, Wind is it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean old Wind Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny though because that's like what's going on in them sleeping under the tree is the wind is getting much colder. So I think I I really like what you're getting at here Tommy is this is them both slowly heading in their directions of death and Greg meets the queen, which is kind of like probably the last stop in cloud city. And he says, my wishes, I want to return home. And the queen tells him though, you can't go home with work. Wirt has already been claimed by the beast. And Greg says, no. Oh, so, and, and like, she even gives him like a visualization and you can start to see the Edelwood branches, like slowly encroach on sleeping Wirt. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. The first time I watched this, I thought the queen of clouds was actually the beast tricking him, but I actually do think the queen of clouds is a different thing. And because I, at first that's, but the more I watched it, I'm like, no, I think the deal was with the beast, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a trick, you know, like I, I get what you're saying. Well, the, the beast is kind of the end all and whether that's a good end or a bad end, maybe that takes different visualizations. So the queen though. So I think Greg does actually make a wish then 
to switch spots with work. He makes like the ultimate sacrifice, the homie move. He says, you know what? Let my brother go home and I, I'll take his spot. And so, cause you're right. He leaves with the beast from this cloud city. So you're right, Tommy. I think the queen kind of represents like the other side of the beast. Yeah. And it's, it's such a sad scene when like Wart's there and he's not, he's, he's not listening to Greg and Greg's giving his, his goodbye speech. Oh my God. That is so sad. Greg really is like, okay, Wart, like, you know, take care, say bye to mom and dad. And he like leaves with the beast and Wart like wakes up too slowly and chases after them. But the snow really picks up here like this is and then he just can't he, he, it's bad oh you know what he falls through an ice patch yeah. actually and gets saved yeah he falls through and i think he hits his head and then it kind of like it leads us into the next episode where it's like he kind of gets knocked into his yeah past no life. you're so right <laughs> oh this next episode is what really in my opinion takes this series to top notch because up until this point, I know we've been talking very, they're from the real world, but up until this point, you don't really know that. And so this next episode is called Into the Unknown. And I love this title because it's got a, a, a double meaning here. Like I said, this episode takes us back to, I, I mean, just before they enter this unknown forest that they've been traveling through for the first eight episodes. So it's, it's, a, it's a flashback. That's a good way to put it. I don't know why I couldn't think of that term. Yeah, and the music, and this is where this is my favorite episode because this is where everything makes sense. Yeah, you, you, any like any things like why he has a frog, why he had candy, why they're wearing Halloween co- like it's like all of it is explained in this episode as much as they do, and then like, but it starts off with Wart in his bedroom putting on the like getting the gnome costume ready. Well, it starts and off with him being music. a real sad boy first. Like <laughs> it's like a Classic sad, sad boy, boy montage. If I've ever seen one, making a cassette, tape making a, making a cassette tape for Sarah, the girl he's got a crush on. But I like this. Cause I don't know if word says it here, but this is like the first take on into the unknown words, taking that first step. He is so self-conscious and um, like he's like super, he's the nerd, you know what I mean? In the story. But so what I like about this is he goes to the, the high school football game to meet Sarah and it, they show the football players and they look like real ass people. They're the, they're like the first real looking people. I feel like we've seen like even the mm-hmm. real life folks, like the woods wearing a, a letterman jacket. Yeah. The they're wearing real life yeah. clothes. And it's so funny. Cause you're like, Oh, I didn't really know this world existed here. You know what I mean? You're, mm-hmm. you're very taken out of the whole mystical element that you've been in the first eight episodes. But so work works up the courage to go give Sarah this cassette tape, um, kind of confessing his love for her, I'm assuming. But what I love about this is we get to the football game and I'm kind of thinking like Jason Funderburger and Sarah, I'm thinking they're like a football player and a cheerleader and Wurt's kind of like the nerd. And he's like really taking some courage here. But then we come to find out Sarah's the mascot for the football game. (laughs) Like it's, they're very good at these like diverting expectations. I feel like. Yeah. And, and we've, we've heard about Jason Funderburger prior to, he named the frog. He's the one that steals Sarah from work, which he's kind of been mad about this whole time. And then we finally, (laughs) finally meet Jason Funderburger and he's just like another, like super nerdy kid. Super nerd. (laughs) And he's he's got like this voice that it's like, Hey Sarah, there's a ghost. There's a ghost behind you. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny because like I said, Wurt is so jealous of this Jason Funderburger that we think he's going to be like the shit. We think he's going to be, 
be the guy on on campus. But no, uh-huh. and it, it really plays into Wirt's whole problem of self-confidence that it's really just like, it's in himself. And this is like such a great theme because normal cartoons would lean on like, Wirt needs to be self-confident and just ask out the cheerleader anyways. But no, this like is such a real life situation. Sarah, throughout this episode, shows signs that she is into Wirt and not into Jason Funderburger. But everything that Wirt has told Beatrice and told the audience is that Sarah is so in love with Jason Funderburger and Wirt doesn't have a shot with her at all. And he feels so sad about it and he feels depressed and oh, blah, blah, blah. Like we even get him like on, like this is I think the first episode when uh, Wirt like sits down on a couch and he leans back on it and it's like a therapist. And he's like, ah, I just, I'll never be good enough type deal. Like I'm just blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's literally all in his head. It's all made up. And that's like such a strong message. I feel like for kids is like, not that it's made up, but a lot of it is like just your, your perspective on things. It's not self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, if you, if you say it enough, it becomes true. And I think that's like, he, he makes a lot of things. It's like, he could have stopped a lot of that, but he, let it's the and it's the idea of not taking decisions too by one of the things i love is it's like by not making a decision you're making a decision Ooh, mm-hmm. and by him not pursuing sarah he's he's deciding that for himself yeah and so when going into the unknown which is what the fairy tale land is called i believe uh like he has to like from a meta narrative perspective he has to go there and become the hero of his own story. Ooh, the confidence in himself. Self-confidence is great. And it's something I think they hit on because Greg is a lot younger. Kids just naturally have more self-confidence because, you know, an ignorance is bliss type thing. They don't know. But when you get to that high school age, that is self-confidence shaking central for everyone. I don't care who you are. That's like such a weird point in life. And this is just like such a great representation of it because like I said, the whole series we've been hearing about Jason Funderburger and how he is like, ah, just stole Sarah right from out. Yeah. (laughs) Such a stud stole Sarah right out from under him. And that's just not the case. That was just what we're interpreted it as. Yeah. And even Sarah being like the mascot, like that's what Sarah is. But um, I want to talk about Greg the Greg, this is where Greg discovers the rock oh. because he's helping old lady Miss Daniels out in her garden. And this is my favorite line too. Where it's like, he's like, all right, bye old lady Miss Daniels. And she's like, okay, bye Greg, but stop calling me old lady. He's like, okay, young man. He says, yes, sir, young man. Or something yeah, like yeah. that. I died. That's so funny. And you know what? We didn't even touch on it, but throughout the series, I think Greg drops a couple rock facts at us. And because he has this rock with a little face on it, um, I have to say my favorite rock fact, maybe you guys have a different one, and I will actually say this to people sometimes and just to see the looks on their faces. Wart at one point throughout the show goes, tell me something I don't know and greg goes did you know that the dinosaurs had really big ears and we just didn't know because it's it, it doesn't show up on a fossil because it's cartilage and Wirt's like wait what really and he goes no that's a rock fact <laughs> that's my favorite one oh, too it's such a good it's so one. good because it literally made me stop and think and i'm like oh damn like what if the dinosaurs did have cartilage like us that wouldn't show like our fossils are not going to leave our ears or nose so what if like a different society found our fossils years from now and totally misrepresented what we looked like because they didn't know we had ears or a nose? Yeah. My other favorite Greg bit from uh, 
this episode is so he's helping old lady miss daniels uh and where's like why are you doing that and he's like oh for you know to, to get some candy he's like it's halloween candy's free <laughs> and so that's why and he's like old lady daniels said nothing in this life is free <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about greg too is like Again, that shows like when you talk about like the rockbacks or the songs and stuff. His creativity, his his uh, imagination is just childlike. It's, it's, it's amazing. The childlike yeah. wonder of it is amazing, and Greg really embodies that. And uh, he he's even like he can see what Wart can't. He's like, well, why don't you go talk to Sarah? He's like, is it that B you want to go talk to? It's almost like yeah, Greg doesn't have as much life experience, but. That childlike perspective is very enlightening. It's very truthful. He sees the world very black and white sometimes, and that's I I I don't always say that's a good thing, but in this case, it, the it's like he needs more of the gray, yeah. and Wart needs more of the like. But even Wart is black and white in some things too. Like where it's like my life's over. Like this is the end. you know what they need to learn uh, from each other a lot. Actually, now that you say yeah. that, like Wart's journey and Greg's journey, because Greg is very like. Uh, what's the plan? You're in charge. Wirt. I'm the leader. I'm going to think of things like it's a very journey of like, always. Oh, he, Greg is a very jump first, look later kind of kid. And he learns a little bit more of like planning ahead and, and making mm-hmm. tough calls and being what a, the older brother per se is kind of like, yeah. Cause his mission, I mean, Greg's mission, the whole, like we, he talks about almost the whole episode is he's trying to go frog hunting. Oh that's yeah. They just want to go frog hunting. Yeah. And that's so cute but because he, me and Brendan used to go frog hunting as kids. <laughs> but the thing is too, he's, he's also, like the, the jump first is such a good way to describe it because it's like, I mean, you discover the rock. He didn't get gifted this rock. He's, he stole this he rock. Stole it. And, uh, that's like a big, that's like the first moment we see Greg do something wrong. Right. Yeah. And he, he's later going to confess to it as like his biggest mistake. <laughs> but so um, this episode, like I said, is so great. We get Greg really, or excuse me, we're really worried. Greg has now placed the mixtape in Sarah's jacket and he's freaking out and wants it back. So he goes to the high school party. Um, the high school party turns into him and Sarah talking and hitting it off. And Sarah has the classic line where she's like, yeah, do you want to go to the graveyard with us and drink some uh, age appropriate <laughs> beverages? Where it's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Just some totally uh, age appropriate drinks in the graveyard together. He's like, you mean like juice? She's like, yeah, like juice. <laughs> it's yeah, he's like juice. We're going to do some stuff. It's like, it's like very, I don't know if it's like trying to be like, alluding to it or like like almost like it's like i feel like cartoon network is like you can you have to make it clear that it's not yeah, open. I know it's, <laughs> hey, we're gonna do like <laughs> it was funny yeah. either way whatever they were going for we got what they were getting at is these kids were yeah. not drinking alcohol because it's a kid show in the graveyard but that's yeah. a very like, I definitely i definitely read it as like a, a workaround around <laughs> <studio> notes. Yeah. <laughs> for sure it's so fun i love things like that where you beat something like like too much where it's like you have a joke and then you're like that's a joke, guys. <laughs> Everyone look. That's one of the best ones because they really hit the nail there. Like, Wirt's even confused by her phrasing of it. He's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it's great. Um, he's like, do you mean like like juice? My other bit, there's so many good, this is a good, huh, we say this about every episode, but like, this, the, the police officer is like, oh hey, hey, you can stop, <laughs> stop running. Uh, just kidding. It's Halloween. And then <laughs> he's like, hey, you robbers, drop the, drop the candy. I'm just kidding. It's Halloween. (laughs) It's such a small, but funny bit. 
Yeah, so they end up in the graveyard, and this is where I I, I want to watch this again and, and look through how many things in, into the unknown are in this, in the real world. This is the good one, Tommy got. But before you get into your good one, let me do a yeah, goofy yeah. one. This whole time, Greg's been wearing a teapot on his head, and they do not address it. But you come to find out he's dressed as an elephant, and it looks like an elephant trunk. <laughs> It's such a great little bit because it's like we have not questioned why he has a teapot on his head. And then you're like, oh, it's Halloween. You're like, oh, that's his costume. Oh, he's an elephant. Like, what? I have questions about all these people's costumes because, like, there's literally an egg. There's someone that's literally <laughs> just an egg. <laughs> so funny. Okay, yes. Let's go back to the graveyard, though. Tommy found something that was really great in the graveyard. Yeah, so I was just watching, and so they they show up to the graveyard, and because uh, they're trying to get the cassette back, because what we yeah what we missed was Greg, Greg ran off with the cassette, gave it to these girls, who then gave it to Sarah, and so they're trying to get the cassette, and so uh, they're like spying on them over these tombstones, and what what I noticed was one of the tombstones says a name that we have already talked about, Quincy Endicott, it's on the so, gravestone, yeah, wow. so you could take that as. He's in purgatory now, or you could take it as because they saw that name. If they're created, it's how they think of it is like one way or the other, but we're about to get to that point. So they get to the uh, graveyard and they are like, oh, Wirt and Greg, like, come on over here, you two. Like, Wirt thinks he is such an outcast when he is not at all. Like, they all want to hang out with him, they all want to see him. It's just so funny because that's like such a typical kid thing, I feel like. But then, because they're drinking age-appropriate drinks, I think, in the graveyard, the, pol- the police officer shows up, the one that keeps just kidding with kids, and is like, hey, you kids, what are you doing? And they all scatter and run. And he's like, oh, no, I was just kidding. Like, come back. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is, uh, this is, I mean, this is the story right here, right? They climb over the a wall, wall, a garden wall, with, a, with, the, with the things, and they fall. And well, right when they jump, oh, the cop yeah. goes, get off that wall. And then they jump over it. And he's <laughs> like, no, I'm in over here. <laughs> that like, is pretty yeah, funny. That's, it's great that this is like the climax. Like this is where the story starts. This is how we get into this unknown world that we've been exploring for eight episodes. But it has like mm-hmm. such a funny send off. No, I'm in on this side. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they walk, so they start walking on the, they don't fall exactly yet. Cause they walk on tra- uh, railroad track. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's like, the train is such a cool, if you think about it, the tr- there's a train whistle a lot at the ends and the beginnings of the show uh-huh. uh, and, or the episodes. And like a train, again, symbolism, right? The train can symbolize a journey, like a journey. It can, yeah, like a, like uh, taking people somewhere and like, yeah, they're on this railroad track and then the uh, train is, is coming. And this song is my, one of my favorite sequences with the song. Song that play, I think it's like Old Black Train. I think it's the name of the song. It is a pretty cool song. Now that you say it, I can picture it. And it's like, I don't know, it's kind of Johnny Cash almost, if that makes sense. It's got a Johnny Cash mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. But so then you're right. When the train's coming, they have to jump. And then this is when they like, I don't know, they jump and roll into um, a pond. And it, it yeah. very much looks like they are not waking up from in the pond. And that's where we jump back to the unknown, back to where the story left off in episode eight. So I love that majority of this episode is just telling us how we got to where we are. Because like I said, I love that we just jumped into this unknown world. Word's first line. He's like, wait, Greg, where are we? We're lost. And now we know how they got there. They they woke up from Mm -hmm. after jumping off this train and they're like, okay, let's get home. And they just have no clue where they are. And 
I don't know. It's great to me. I don't, I love, I love the play with the timeline. You know what I mean? We didn't need Mm -hmm. to know that in the first episode to be hooked, to be into the show, but it feels so much more rewarding learning it now, which is cool. It also gives, it also gives us good reference point, uh, of like who these characters are and just how far they will have come by the end of the journey. So true. Um, because the frame of reference in the first, you know, that first 15 seconds, it gives us a good snapshot. But this, this highlights really it. encapsulates like and where the brothers are, the are. Yeah. Because I think their relationship grows so much. And like, I, I, to me, the story is about their relationship. And um, Greg is so at this point, Greg is so unaware of, of work's feelings and stuff. And war is, they're both so caught up in their own things. Their paths are not entered, inter, um, connected yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah. No, you're so right. That's great. It is the story of them because you think even in this episode nine, at one point, someone's like, Oh, is that your brother? And he's like half brother. Like he corrects them. Like he's like, yeah. And it's so Which it seems so mean. It seems so mean. I've never called any of my half siblings yeah. just, Oh, that's my half brother. Like they're just my brothers and sisters. And yeah. so it is very much like Greg wants that older brother, younger brother thing, but word is so caught up in his own thing, which is just like such a, a typical thing there. There's a, dif- uh, a decent age difference between them. Word's worried about like girls and friends and Greg's like, Hey, let's go frog hunting brother. And, and it's funny when you take this and then uh, in a second, we'll talk about like back in the unknown, but it's like, he has a line that, that I'll bring up, but uh, yeah, I mean, essentially he wakes like, Beatrice has been trying to save them this whole time when he fell in the unknown version, he's in the water and Beatrice finds him with a fish with the fish is fishing. A fish is catches them in a net. <laughs> it's great. I didn't enjoy that. Uh, that is yeah. great. Um, all right. So I think we can get into, so like the, the sp- well, okay. I was, oh, yeah. if we're just jumping in, I was just going to say uh, with the end of this episode, we go is basically he ends up with Beatrice's family because yes. she leaves him there while she goes looking for Greg and he jumps out and he has this line where he goes, they're like, I think Beatrice's mom is like, you'll be no use to him dead. And he goes, I was no use to him alive either or something like that. And it's such a, it's so good. And we can't miss the part where she feeds him a a spoonful of dirt first, but yeah, it ends on such an epic note. She goes, you'll be no good because it's a snowstorm at this point, a full fledged snowstorm, which he's not dressed for a snowstorm at all. And he's like, I need to go find these two. So Beatrice has taken off looking for Greg and now works behind the two of them. And that is such an epic line. You're right, Tommy. And I think that's how the episode ends. And then we get into the, the last episode here, episode 10. And just to touch on it before we get into the finale here, I love that this is just a self-contained series, like a limited series, if you will. Like that is part of the charm of this is they didn't try to squeeze out seven seasons or whatever and make a whole toy line and this, that, or whatever. It just feels so natural, so organic, just very, like I said, a hidden gem is really the best way to put it. Part of the charm is that it's self-contained. It's like you want so much more out of this world, but you know, you just get this little glimpse flipping through the pages of it. And with the entertainment industry, it's so easy for networks to be like, no, we want more. Like you see so many shows where they make a season too much. Yep. And I love when a show can be like, I'm making four seasons. That's same. This is, I'm not going anymore. This is our story. Uh, I like how when a story has an ending in mind, because that's how we get these amazing foreshadowing moments and these great like twists and turns because they have it all mapped out from the start. They're not going to be like, well, we need to leave it open-ended though for season two. That's like with shows that go on like 10 seasons, like, 
Smallville was like 10 seasons. I didn't even watch all of it. Uh, great Grey's Anatomy. Like, what are you still like? I think my characters, you've rotated characters out yep. like three, four times. Like, why does any of this matter? I think my greatest but. example is Dexter. I literally thought that was going to go down as one of the best TV shows of all time. And I didn't even finish it. I was just like, this yeah. is not good anymore. Lost is another example where like the, yes. the creators that was their, I think one of their first shows. Now they have way more experience with it, but at the time they were like, no, we got pressured into making more se- And we had no, our story was told at that point. We already told it. So we had to like come up with things last minute. And yeah. that's kind of what happened with the last couple of seasons of Lost. Yep. But that's what is, that's part of the charm of this show is it knows mm-hmm. that it knows what it is and it's not trying to be anything more. And yeah. so without further ado, let's hop into this last episode because there's a lot that happens in such a short amount of time. I also am always very um, congratulatory of when you can pack a lot of plot, a lot of story in a short amount of time. And I think that's something cartoons do better than live action shows i don't know what it is but they just do and these are 10 minute episodes like they pack so much story like even uh the backstory of like beatrice or the backstory of the woodsman those are communicated in like a couple lines like they don't dedicate a whole episode to the woodsman's back yeah it's they do really great storytelling amazing storytelling all right so this last episode we're back into the unknown beatrice is chasing after greg and greg is doing what what would you even call these? He's doing like tasks for the beasts. I don't even. They're like riddles almost. So this is where I go when I brought up the whole the beasts need to get you if you give up or get sick. Oh, and so he needs Greg to give war, up. He's well, but Greg never will. So he's going for the other, which is at, at a certain point he realizes it's not going to work. So he makes Greg catch the sun in a cup, and so Greg just has a weight in the snowstorm. So he's trying, to, and you see Greg's face is getting sickly. He's he's trying to get him sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's waiting point. him out. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he has him doing like meaningless tasks. Like he has a honey, uh, a comb made of gold. He brings him a honeycomb. He's like a lock of silver thread. He brings him a spider web. So he's, he, Greg's like really creatively outthinking all of these. And he's like, I want you to put the sun in this cup. And Greg just uses his perspective. He put, launches the cup onto a stump. And says, now we just have to wait for the sunset. And you're right, Tommy. The beast is very like, ah, I see you've outsmarted me. But that's what he wants. The beast is super tricky and very, like, manipulative to get what he wants. Mm -hmm. The beast represents, in a way, like, cynicism or doubt. Darkness. Um, The giving up. Like Tommy said, he forces you to give up. And Wirt had given up. And that was what the beast wants. Like, it's all a mind game with the beast. It's a loss of hope. I mean, I think that's even why his his song is constantly there. It's like the beast is always Haunting. there, even if he's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I never really, I didn't even realize that he needs them to do that. But I mean, that makes sense just with how it's it's always like. Uh, and then, but so then to get into the story, once the beast gets these kids to give up, they turn into the Edelwood trees, which then the beast is also tricking the woodsman into chopping down for him. To feed the lantern mm-hmm. it's a never-ending cycle and the beast has it on both ends on lock mm-hmm. and so the woodsman comes across greg turning into edelwood and he uh claims well claims he didn't know that these edelwood trees were lost this is a great dramatic children. moment the um, the conversation between to, the beast and, uh, and the woodsman and the beast is still trying to trick him he's like and this is where i wonder I don't know if the woodsman's supposed to have the lantern because it's like the beast does it mentions he's like give me back the lantern that you took from me it's like 
the beast wants the lantern because then he can just do it. Then because as we find out, the, the lantern isn't the soul of of uh, the woodsman's daughter. It's the beast's soul. So it's like, of course, he would want it himself because then no one can damage yeah. it. If he but then it. that's like clever thinking of the beast is once the woodsman's daughter died, he goes, oh, if you have that lantern you have you need to keep it lit and I'll keep your daughter's soul in there in exchange. And so the beast is like, okay, if I'm not going to be in control of the lantern, I'm going to be in control of the person who controls the lantern. And so the beast is really my, you're right. He wants that lantern and the woodsman is smart enough not to give it to him, but he doesn't really understand why, because he thinks his daughter's soul is in there and he keeps, um, Chopping down trees to keep the light going forever because he doesn't want to lose his daughter's soul. It's really, it's really sweet. It's like Evan said, it's a, it's a, a noble cause. But then the woodsman starts really tormenting with the idea of, man, I've been sacrificing all these other children's souls just for for my daughter's soul. Like, is it worth it? Is and you know he, it's it's weird because he kind of knew, and I think that's why he warns Greg and Wart, like, get out of here. You don't want to be anywhere near these woods. Because he, he did, he kind of knew. Yeah, yeah, he had an inkling. Um, but that's where he takes his stand, and he refuses to chop up, which sounds very morbid, chop up Greg. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the last straw, is seeing it firsthand for him. And essentially, the woodsman does lose the lantern. Yeah, so Beatrice gets there early, but then the snow pushes yeah. her into work. work. They're running now, they're running, trying to get to a Greg. They get to Greg while... Uh, the woodsman, the woodsman's now fighting the beast. They're both like, because the beast is like, give me the lantern. And the woodsman's like, no, I'm not yep. doing this anymore. And they're fighting. And I think it gets knocked out. But at this point, he's trying to, Wirt's trying to get the, the, the tree yes. away and from he, Greg. And it's yes. Like, Greg, I, now I'm yeah. picturing it. Wirt is trying to save Greg. And this is where a really funny part comes up. And the woodsman is trying to physically fight the beast with his axe. But so as Wirt is trying to, I think Evan alluded to this earlier. Um, yeah. He's like, oh no, there's branches and leaves all over him. And, and this is a great part. Evan, you can go for it. Yeah. And so they're like pulling the branches away and like leaves fall out of <laughs> Greg's mouth and they're like oh you know there's even branches inside of him and Greg as he's like fading and almost dying he's like no I was just eating leaves (laughs) (laughs) it's so classic because he says it's so weak like you said so (laughs) meager he's like nah I was just eating leaves (laughs) well even on his deathbed he's still doing that and then he his dying wish is for work to return the rock to return the rock that he stole once he's gone and Wirt's Wirt says, no, you're going to do that yourself. But so, yeah, he's trying to cheer him up as he's getting the Edelwood branches off him because you're right. He needs to keep him from giving up hope. But Greg's pretty sick, sickly at that point. Um, as the beast and the woodsman are fighting, that's when Wirt picks up the lantern finally. And he's like, what's so special about this lantern? So the beast offers Greg the same deal that he did the woodsman. He goes, okay, instead of your brother dying, what if I put his soul in the lantern and you take on the torch? And it's like a very, it's a very tempting proposition. And it looks like Wart's giving into it. He's like, okay. He's like, well, essentially he'll become the new woodsman. And then he thinks, he thinks about it for a he second. Does. And then he's like, wait, no, this is dumb. It's so <laughs> yeah, great. That's dumb. He's like, that's dumb though. And the beast, well, the beast is like, what? And he's like, that's dumb. What? He, he like, the beast is shocked himself. And then Wart, um, Wart does the best thing. He like almost blows it out. And the beast is like, ah! And that's when the light like flashes over him. 
And it's, it's like a moment of, it's a, it's such a moment of vulnerability for what has seemed to be this unstoppable shadowy beast. We've never even physically described the beast. He's like this giant shadow figure with antlers and yeah, like branch, branch antlers. antlers. Yeah. And so glowing eyes, glowing eyes, real creepy. But so when they flash yeah. the light over him, he's like a bunch of faces, like a bunch of human like faces, souls. a bunch of souls. Yeah. You're right. Oh my God. It's the souls he's been consuming. But it's mm-hmm. in that moment where the beast like jumps forward to try to stop Wart from blowing it out. When it flashes over him, it's like such a moment of vulnerability and Wart realizes, ah, you know what? The, you're not in as much control here as you'd like to let on. And I love this. The whole, that, that whole sequence of Wart is like, because Wart, it, it would be so easy for Wart to be stuck in his, sorrow right and i think that's like if we talk about this as like life or death right it's like the woodsman can't let go of his daughter who he believes is dead i don't believe you know but but he's he's stuck in it. he's like for i'm just gonna wander the woods forever and where it's like this is stupid i'm not gonna like even if my brother does die here i don't yeah. want to be stuck thinking about it. like it's like basically he doesn't want to live in his mm-hmm. grief and instead he's it is the, the the word that we has grown to where it's like even if this bad thing happens, I will be fine. Yeah. I will move on. And like, I don't want to be stuck in this. And yeah, war. And then even when he's, so he's doing his big thing right here. And it's like, but we still have, it's still war. Right. He like, I love when he gets his line where it's like the, the, the beast is like, says something like, um, like you don't know what you're messing with or something. And he goes and more like his voice cracks and he's like, you, you don't know what you're messing with. And like, it's not, it's not, it's like that kind it's of a, line. It's a back at you and his like voice that. cracks a little. And he, <clears throat> he like redoes it. It's so great. It is such a nice touch. I know exactly what you're talking about, but this is so great because then the woodsman is like defeated, but watching. And it's like a really sad moment for the woodsman is they come to the realization. It's the beast's soul inside that lantern and so the woodsman's just been feeding the beast soul and his daughter's been gone all these years and he's ah it's a sad but he's been wasting his goddamn time (laughs) yeah well actually i don't know because so they do blow it out they do stop the beast and i'm pretty sure because like the end montage i'm pretty sure his daughter comes back so i took that as his daughter, he got tricked by the beast. I, I took it as his daughter has been looking from his daughter oh. has been alive this whole time. And he's been, again, he was so stuck in his own grief that he couldn't even separate himself to, to see what was actually happening. He was so stuck in, stuck in, in what was happening. That's how I took it. But it also, I, you're right. It could be where her soul was in there. And by releasing or just the it, beast it had all the, soul. the souls. And I wonder if, if defeating the beast released all the souls. See, this is what's so great about this show, though, is it does not spoon feed us this ending. We really mm-hmm. have to think about it. And I love shows that make me think. And this is just such a great ending because we do see the culmination of Greg gaining his self-confidence, being a better brother, just all around this journey that he took. Evan, I think you said it too, like episode nine really contrasted where he started versus where he ends. Here's a third interpretation. What if the woodsman is essentially the lost soul and he's been in the wood this whole time? Oh my God. And he hasn't gone home. Like and she's too. just been home. Wait, like, where you been, Dan? He's like, I yeah, was lost in comes, the woods. He, he was he in the unknown. The porch, yeah. ah! He was in the unknown. That's great. This, See, this is, is so, so good. good. <laughs> and so the end, I guess what we're, we're failing for the, uh, anyone just listening is the ending has a beautiful piano song wrap up. And we see all the happy endings. Wirt and Greg do go home. 
they get they home, they, the they, oh, they wake well. up in the hospital. Uh, so that's, I mean, back to that realism is like, was this all in their head? Was this all like a fever dream type, like near death experience type hallucination? Uh, or was this purgatory? But we do see the other endings. We see Beatrice and her family uh, back in humans. And I love that. Uh, they still call food dirt. They're like, eat your dirt, even though it's like real food. Yeah. Like you, you see all their happy endings. You see um, in the hospital, you see that Sarah's there and work gives, gives her the cassette and they're like, Oh, we can listen to it sometime. Or I mean, we can listen to some other cassettes first, like a bunch of other cassettes. It was first great. Cause he was like, did you listen to it? And she's like, I don't have a cassette player. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and also Jason Funderburker finds love of you. So, like early on, Jason Funderburker, early on in episode nine, the frog you, or the human? I saw this the okay, uh, human <laughs> Jason Funderburger is like uh, trying to hold Sarah's hand, and she's like, "You can let my hand go now." And the the girl, the girl who's yeah. like the walrus or, or a seal or whatever, is like, "Well, you can hold my hand." <laughs> she's got a weird voice too. Finger. They have a weird voice together. Oh, it's a perfect match. And in in the hospital, they're holding hands. It's all yeah. it was. A, it, they finally held hands and George Washington or Jason, the Jason Thunderberger. Now the, the frog yep. has so his feet aren't cold. Like all the things, everything's like, wrapped up. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we even see Quincy and, and his long lost French ghost tea maiden. Um, we see the frogs like that were on the ferry. We see like everyone, we see the school, like it wraps. It, it really is like, it makes you feel like, damn, no, this was a real place. This was something they went to, they experienced because they do have memories of it together. They address that in the hospital. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like only Wirt remembers it. Um, yeah. And I love that Greg's hair is like super clean and combed. I don't know why that's like such a weird detail that I love. Well, and the frog still has the bell in it. Oh. That's the other, like at the end, if you, it's very briefly, he like, he's like, um, they're like dancing. I don't know. Greg's yeah. being Greg, right? And uh, he's he's shaking the the frog, and when he I does, totally miss that if I miss that if I'm being honest, it. that's a great catch. So it did happen. There's no inception ending here. Definitive proof that it did happen. The unknown is a real place. Um, Tommy, I'm uh, interested to dive into like the comparisons uh, to Dante's Inferno because I hadn't really thought about the purgatory angle, but now it makes a lot of sense. You had never assumed or- this was purgatory. I had I haven't watched this in a couple of years. So wow. So um, so how was it? Because I, I watch it every year, and I had read the Dante's Inferno thing. I had known that this represents like a purgatory type state. I I think my interpretation, talking after talking about it with you guys, is that um, it, it it is a form of purgatory. It's not like a shared hallucination, and that the people that they meet there are perhaps people who have lived in this town prior to. You know, seeing Quincy Endicott's tombstone, um, and maybe that would explain the old-timey feel, like the mm. Victorian feel of some of the settings. So that's how I'm going to choose to interpret it. Yeah, and this is a show I tell people you have to watch this multiple times because you every time you're going to catch something else, and now that you have the perspective of, like, you know it's the real world, or you know it's a purgatory type thing, you can watch it with the mm. different eyes. But I, I love, I've I, with the whole Dante thing, I've heard other things and like thinking about it now it's like you could even play into like quincy right he represents greed like what do the other like if you're talking about like the seven deadly sins are there are those in play here with some of the characters i think would be an interesting oh, I'm sure there look is. At, you know the next time yeah and uh no I, I i i instantly was like this is life or death and the more i've like done research and the more i've like looked into it because when i when i get into a show like i'll get into the show as you know like all my weird facts like i i like this kind of stuff i love the storytelling aspects of the show and um 
I even just like when I discovered that Beatrice is the name of Dante's guide, I'm like, oh, no, that's, that, that's not a coincidence. Like, there's, that can't mm-hmm. be a coincidence. To finish up my romance corner, what were you? Which one do you guys root for between the three? Between the three women and 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 uh, Wart. Here's what I will say in uh, support of uh, your your shipping Beatrice and Wirt. Uh, the, the latter half of the the series, they Wirt specifically starts to lose hope because he's so lost without Beatrice. Ooh. That being said, I think him and Beatrice also share probably the realest moment together, like getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. Like him and Lorna's was very like, you know, that I'm thinking about it. Him and Lorna is almost like a rebound where it's like, where it's like, oh, I lost my, my bit, last yeah. boo thing. And like the first girl that shows him any attention, he's like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. All right. So their names, their ship names are Bert, Warna, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh and and cert 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 or warna cert and warna (laughs) (laughs) um you know what i I think you actually convinced me tommy i think i originally would have probably said sarah because that's like his real life crush but i think a shared experience like that can really bring people together and i do think they have the best um like i think they have the best moment together yeah, I like Sarah too. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like all three of the the, the women, but um, I don't think we see enough of Sarah sure. for me to ship them. Sure. Like, it's like it's it's a new blossoming relationship. But we saw Beatrice, and I I agree with you. I think like life threatening situations, any any type of event that is like you know impactful on your life, you share that with someone else. It's hard not to have that mm-hmm. you know influence your feelings for someone. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think I would still be in Sarah's corner. I, I think. Beatrice definitely contributes to a vast amount of his character growth, and they're certainly bonded by that. Um, Maybe not necessarily in a romantic sense. Uh, Here's the other thought I had, that when we're talking about um, uh, Greg's Greg's innocence and how he sees things very black and white, um, in a sense, he's like the other end of the spectrum of uh, to, to, to Beatrice. Where they're both like, hey, we're chill out. It's not that serious. Whatever you're dealing with, like the stakes aren't that high. It's all in your head. Um, so, in oh my way, God. I and think- that, sorry to cut you off. That is the theme we keep talking about is like these issues seem so much bigger, badder, and scarier. But then by the uh-huh. end of the episode, you realize, oh, the gorilla was just Jimmy Brown in a suit. I don't need to be scared mm-hmm. of the gorilla. I don't need to be scared to talk to Sarah. I don't need to be scared of this big bad beast. It, oh, it's literally the theme throughout the whole thing is like these issues seem so much more grave. And, you know, even the one that is like grave life or death issue, you you can conquer it. You can do it. There's you don't need to be scared. Yeah. And it's got the Halloween theme, which is all about fear. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then to flip that convention on its head, the series as a whole, we've been living in this fairy tale, you know, world with Wirt and Greg exploring it. Sometimes there's been, there's, there have been hints of danger. Uh, but then when you zoom out to episode nine to see the context of it, it was life and death. Yeah. And it wasn't all benign. This is true. Well, that's this is a good point. It's bits of like Greg's, again, but this is like a world there. It's like your version of purgatory. Right. So I wonder if like, if that whimsicalness comes from Greg, like some things is like, or even both of them, like they're, they're almost forming their own characters um, informing things to make it happier for them and make it manageable. What a great show. 
Oh my god. It's so good in my opinion. Um let's see. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on it? We really dissected it like for a, an hour and a half show. We've talked a lot about it for 10 minute episodes. <laughs> um but I mean, I think my closing thoughts is just like I love anything that really puts a lot of time, dedication and like thought into it. And just between the animation, the music, the story, this is really top-notch storytelling in my opinion. It's uh it's really phenomenal and like you said Tommy every time I watch it I think I enjoy it a little more in all honesty which is nuts cuz I've probably watched it 5 times. Yeah, I think for me it's one of the things that this show reminds me of in this show Adventure Time honestly most most animated shows now nowadays is you can have serious material. It, I think we need to get away from the mindset of an animated show is automatically mm-hmm. a kid show because it's it's and I think that's something you guys talk about too it's like it doesn't need to be and this show is a great example of like yeah a kid can watch this but like as we've talked about some of the stuff is pretty serious conversation like there's some serious themes going on in yes. this show totally yeah uh for me I I don't know I feel like this is symbolic of like where animation is headed towards like you said tommy with like uh adventure time steven universe tackling heavier themes but i also think it is like slightly different um because there's like a slower pace to it there's so many elements of nostalgia even episode nine uh it puts you in a very familiar setting of like this is kind of like a early 90s 2000s coming of age movie vibe and I- it's like the homecoming game mm-hmm. near halloween it really fe- it really i get exactly what you mean honestly it's like you can watch it in an afternoon i'll i'll be up front i, I watched it all this morning so maybe i should have it's, yeah, it's fresh on the mind more notes but now you can breeze through it so easily and it's like 90 minutes altogether. it's worth a watch it's on hulu anyone i don't i don't think we've recommended yeah, yeah. it but if you have hulu you should watch it probably should have said that at the top and it feels <laughs> folly even even the things like there isn't tons of like there's like the pumpkins and stuff but like some of the episodes is but it still feels yeah. like fall to me like i don't know why but i just i correlate it all like yeah. i want some cider some, some you know bobbing for apples or something and <laughs> that way you do in the fall that's what i want to do while i'm watching this show it's great it really it catches the feel of fall on a storytelling just device and like visually so uh yeah great show highly recommend it like i said i would recommend it to really anyone animate animation lover or not and like i said they don't spoon feed it to you you, you got to figure some of it out on your own and it's rewarding once you do put the pieces together over the garden wall streaming on hulu and hbo max Thanks for tuning in uh, for our special Halloween episode. Woo! Tommy, thank you for joining us, yeah, too. Thank you for thank joining you for us. having me. Thank you for bringing all the insight that I clearly did not I, have. <laughs> I'm too much of a nerd. This is one of my favorite shows, so I'm very, yeah. very nerdy about this show. So awesome. thank you for letting me share my knowledge, my my rock facts to you. <laughs> love it. I uh, love it so much. Yeah. Yes, that was Over the Garden the Wall. Thank you, uh, anyone, for listening. And uh we will be back after this Halloween special with Hopefully more content for you. We got to get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Evan said it, though. Yes, we will wrap up Legend of Korra after this. That'll do it, folks. Thanks for listening. All right. Good shit, guys. Mm-hmm.